Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited today to talk to Corey Joyner. This man has just been kicking some serious butt. I love getting his insights because this is a guy who has kind of taken step by step by step in the marathon, and he's not someone who has been running his whole life. He kind of came to it later. He really wasn't even the most active guy. Um, you know, occasionally would do a little bit, little bit of gym stuff here and there just to feel active. Uh, but then, as you'll hear, he kind of got into running in a very, um, you know, very low key manner, and then really just kind of kept it going and kept it going over the last two years, and really saw some amazing improvement over the last year. And I think it's a really good example of people who, uh, or in this case, a person who, you know, didn't just expect immediate results stuck with it and now is seeing unbelievable results. So for him, you know, his his improvement, if he was going to put it like on a graph, it would look like a hockey stick. It'd be kind of flat, be tilted up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then after a long period of time, it just shoots up. And that's uh, really where he's at now. Uh, and it's amazing to see that he can go from someone who was, hey, like, hey, can I can I break four hours in a marathon? Like, is it possible? Can I really do that? To now it's like, He's pretty much on the doorstep of potentially breaking three hours in the marathon in uh, in you know a short period of time, making that switch. And it's almost funny. It's like he's going to spend potentially more time thinking about whether or not he can break four than him thinking about whether or not he can break three. And again, you never know what's going to happen, but it's that's a legit possibility, and it is really insightful for people who want that quick growth. Um, and he was able to, you know, kind of figure it out on his own and he wasn't too impatient and he was really just able to enjoy running for itself and really let the, the goals, you know, be their own separate thing. And I just really enjoyed talking to Corey and getting his perspective on all of these things. Before we get into the episode, I do want to talk to you about the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. We all have big goals coming up in 2021. We know that at some point in the next year, races are going to start coming back and maybe a, a little bit of a different form, but we're going to almost certainly have more races in 2021 than we have had in 2020. I'm sure a lot of us will start start setting uh, some New Year's goals and resolutions in the next coming weeks. And let's let you get to that level. And part of that is going to be making sure that you have all the right information to help you get there. That's exactly what the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit is going to be all about, giving you all the necessary information to get you to your goals, whether or not that's running an ultra on less than 60 miles a week. That's what David Roche is going to talk about. The importance of hill training and how you can incorporate it into your life, even if you don't live near a lot of hills. That's what Corey Waltering is going to be talking about. Or Guiding younger runners and exactly what that takes. You know, you might be in a leadership position in your community and that's going to be a huge thing. And that's what Kerry Tollis is going to talk about. There's so many people going to be talking about a wide variety of things that are all extremely specific to people in this community. And I'm so excited to bring it to you. So go to the ramblingrunner.com forward slash summit. The link is in the bio or not the bio link is in the show notes as well. It'll take you right to it. And I love to see you there. Remember, you have lifetime access to these videos. And I'm going to be turning them all into podcasts as well. So you're going to have lifetime access to all of this important content and conversation. So let's get into it with Corey Joyner. Corey, thank you for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you on the Rambling Runner podcast. Matt, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Corey, you recently at 
The is it the Spaceman Marathon? <laughs> it's the uh, the Space Coast Marathon. Space Coast Marathon. All right, here's this is now this is my issue. I love watching. Oh, so I'm gonna take this bone away from my dog. <laughs> so loud. Um, this is the perils of recording at home, right? Um, so, this, um, so I I love watching the show Thirty Rock. I don't know if you would like to watch that show. Um, but like the, the doctor on that show is called Dr. Spachemin, but it's called spelled spaceman. So I think I I watched like 10 episodes last night while I was doing work. So I just had spaceman on the, on the brain, which is zero because I actually had an athlete as a coach who ran that race. And I just, I was like, spaceman marathon. That doesn't sound right. I got to ask Corey about this, but (laughs) (laughs) sorry about the tangent. Um, but I'm so excited to talk to you because you just had a wonderful, a wonderful race over at the space coast marathon. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get into the race itself and your progression as a runner, tell the folks, what was what was your time and how did it go? It went extremely well. It was literally like the perfect race for me. Uh, so the finish time officially was three hours, 18 minutes and two seconds. And everything just came together. Um, all the, the work I put in this past year and everything just clicked. Um, so very happy and pleased with um, how that race went. Now, was that in like uh, within the the range of times that you thought you would come in when you were planning for the race? Yes. So, building up uh, with the the training cycle, the A plus goal was um, around three fifteen, sub three fifteen. I felt I could pick up the pace to get that that goal time. During the race, I just ran mostly just comfortable and relaxed. Um, the biggest thing I've read. Just doing my research on on marathons, you want to be relaxed. You want to feel good at the end of the race because my other two marathons wasn't feeling too good. Was cramping, was was hurting. Uh, but you want to try to just feel good as possible. I mean, you're gonna hurt at the end of a marathon regardless, but you don't want to be your legs totally shot and still cramping up post run. So, uh, but with the uh, with the race, I got to the the three eighteen mark. Um, I knew I would be around there around mile 20, so I didn't want to try to push too hard to try, oh, I can still maybe get 315. It'll just push, uh, push the pace a little bit more, go off effort, and and I, I just live with the results. That's actually how I just operate. You know, you put in the work, you live in the moment, and you just live with the results. All right. So we're going to talk about this progression because you have run two marathons before, and drastic you know results in terms of the the improvement over time um before we dive into the past you know let's just bring it up now what were the other two marathon times just so people are aware uh yeah the first marathon i did was disney um i actually was going to sign up for the disney half at the time but (laughs) disney's so expensive like the half and the marathon cost the same so in my head i was like well if they cost the same i will go big or go home (laughs) and that's how i ended up doing the marathon and that time was five hours, one minute, five-hour marathoner here. And then um, the second marathon I did was Miami earlier this year in February. And that time I did four hours and 29 minutes. Wow. So you were like one of the rare people who were able to do two marath- two sanctioned in-person marathons in 2020. I mean, that's a pretty small club. I- I'm one of the lucky few. One of the lucky few. 
That's for sure. Holy cow. All right. So let's let's go back to, to Space Coast because you know you mentioned the, I love this. Like, oh, I was feeling good in the marathon. Then you like had that quick caveat of like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> feeling good in a marathon isn't like feeling good on the couch, right? I mean, you have this like this this uh it really it all depends on like on basically it's like relative feeling good, right? Compared to what exactly uh you've had some marathon experiences. So what was it like for you when you hit that later stage of the race and you've had experiences in your past that, um, you know, those, t- those points were pretty tough, man, like fighting through them and, and getting to the finish line. You know, once, once you'd gotten past the point of like, Hey, my fitness is at this certain level. I know I can, can, can sustain it and maintain it. But once race day comes, what's going to happen in the last 10 K, what was it like for you mentally staying locked in and not maybe reliving some of those moments from the past when you were, you know, really trying to to cross that finish line with the time that you knew you could do. Yeah. Getting to that moment. I mean, I was anticipating it. So during the race, like, yeah, I'm staying relaxed, um, getting through first 10 K getting to the halfway point. And then once you're itching closer to the 20 mile mark, mile 20, mile 22, and just from previous history where I've cramped up pretty bad and was unable to continue running for the race, it was, it just felt amazing because I saw, I saw the mile marker. Um, and then I just, for a second, it was like, it was like a little weight <laughs> off my back. It was like, okay, I can actually run <laughs> and, and we feel good. And so, uh, at that moment as well, I just pretty much ran off field um, and effort because the legs started to get heavy, just running for 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 three hours almost. But you're so close, and I'm not cramping, so I'm not cramping, so we can keep going. We can keep pushing the pace, and we can keep trying till we get to the finish line. And luckily, uh, it turned out I didn't cramp at all during the race. Um, the fueling strategy I used worked worked perfectly. Um, on race day and, and and it just came together it felt great so what was the the scene like at this race right i think we've and at this point in the year there are certainly people who've done in-person races at various lengths you know a lot of trail races are still happening um but for most people in most races it's a little different than say they were last year at this time so what was your experience like as a racer in terms of how they conducted you know you know, not just like the starting line, but how many people entered and, and things like that. Yeah, because things are different with with COVID still happening and with cases rising. So I was actually a little nervous leading up to the race, uh, just in regards to maybe they would cancel it, um, just with the cases rising. But I also live in Florida, so it's pretty much not shut down uh, like other states are at this time. So I was still confident it would still happen, but just nervous, like, okay, maybe they could cancel it if they do. Um, you know, that's just, it is what it is, uh, just in regards to everyone's safety. But the race went on, and how they did it was they had bib pickup throughout the week at the the running zone store. And then what would normally be the expo, um, they had bib pickup outside at a park. So you'll go pick up your bib. And also, when you picked up your bib, you got your, your medal. Um, at that time too. So you didn't get the medal after the race. You got it during bib pickup session. During the actual race morning, um, they were continuously over the the speaker, just having 
reminders to, hey, social distance, wear your mask. Downtown, that downtown area where the race started, it's not, it's not like wide roads. Like the air is a little bit more compact. Uh, so it's a little bit harder to social distance with the number of people that ran for the full, I believe it was a little over 500 runners and for the the two halves. So they have two half marathons. They do the North half and a South half. And I believe between those runners, it was, I want to say a little under 2000, but they had us separated um, in corral groups that, that went. So the first group would go uh, within the first five minutes at 6 a.m. And then the next group would go and then so on and so forth. So how do they arrange the corrals? Like someone like you is like the nightmare scenario. Nightmare scenario is way too melodramatic. <laughs> it's like, it, would be a, it would be a challenge for a race director, right? They'd be like, all right, you've run two marathons. What were your times? Right. And you'd be like, all right, they were X, Y, Z. And then you're like, all right, but what do you expect to run this time? You're like 315. You're like, wait, what? Like, wait, what, what corral did we put this guy in, right? Is he going to be like near the, like kind of in the front group? Or is he going to be a five-hour marathoner? Because that was like, you know, his first marathon. So what, where, where did you fit in that whole mix? Well, the way they did it uh, as well was with the, the two first groups were the marathoners. So you're either in group A or group B if you're running the marathon. And then sprinkled in that group was the North uh, half marathoners as well. So they would start at the same time as we would. And the way the, the chip worked, it didn't start until you crossed the start line. So it, if you were in A or B, it really didn't matter as far as like your, your timing. But it, it's nicer to not having to weed through as many people if you're running faster than them. Well, I started relatively close to the front. Um, so I didn't really have that much of an issue after like the first, the first mile was able to get into a nice groove from there. Got it. Okay. So let's go back in time. So you've, this was your third marathon. You've run them all relatively recently. What was your athletic career like before you got into marathoning? Before marathon, so before running, because after, after I did a half marathon, then I did the the full marathon. So before that, I would be in the gym on and off. Um, I was doing a little CrossFit um, back in my Miami days. I was doing some boxing classes and doing some of that. I did like a, a turkey trot 5K <laughs> a couple years uh, ago that was like maybe my first race i want to say and but nothing was consistent so it was like okay let me try this oh i'll do this okay we'll go to the gym and work on this program so nothing was consistent until actually training for a race and even when i trained for my first half marathon i was on and off i was like all right i'm gonna go run three miles one lap around lake collins or this uh uh a three mile loop lake in the middle of my city that I live in. So I'll do that. And then the next week, okay, long run, I'm gonna do two laps, which would be six miles around that lake. So I would just make up my own workout um, just to try to get in shape for the half. And it, it, I mean, it worked out. It, it worked out for me for that race. And then once I moved up to the, to the marathon distance, I picked up, um, 
Hal Higdon's book uh, on marathons. And so I just follow his his uh, beginner plan, just logging in the miles, uh, not really knowing all the other intricate details to running. Uh, so just try to get the miles in and we got to race day. At least we got to race day healthy. That's a little important. <laughs> There you go. And Hal Higdon, what a legend. I actually had a chance to interview him on the show. And it's like, I told him, I'm like, Hal, I think half the people that I've talked to on this show, their first training plan was a Hal Higdon plan. <laughs> it's like, you're, <laughs> you're like cornered the market on like beginner runners who were like, you know what? I got to try the marathon. And it's like, the next thing is like Hal Higdon, right? It's so funny how like this older guy is like completely dominated, like the SEO Google search of like beginner training plans. Um, He's the first one that pops up. Yeah, every time <laughs> he's he's killing it. Um, all right. So before you mentioned like CrossFit and boxing and and all of that, did you have like say maybe like going back to like high school or those days? Did you have um, sports that you were really invested in, or were you always just kind of like haphazardly like try something, try this other thing, and, and kind of figure it out? Well, in high school, I played I played ball, I played football um, in high school, so I played defensive back. Uh, was injury prone. Uh, I, I was the smallest guy on the team, <laughs> even JV at varsity. Uh, so freshman year was actually my first year actually playing organized football. So I ended up getting turf toe while playing. So that, that kind of messed up my, my rookie year. And then sophomore year probably was my best year. And I, I definitely got hurt again. Uh, not to the extent I, I had some shin splints issues. <laughs> to deal with, but I was I was still able to to play sophomore year, and then after sophomore year, we had spring ball, and I had a freak accident um, that year where I was jumping up to bat a pass, and once I came down from batting that pass, I fractured my my lower femur, and uh, <laughs> and from that injury, um, I, I came back the the next season, like the middle of next season after rehab, but it, it, it still wasn't the same after coming back from that injury. So you know, I, I was still able to play through uh, through my senior season, but it just never would allow me to like, take that next step on varsity <laughs> after that injury. All right. So, so when you're in your twenties and you're still an active guy, you're trying to do stuff, um, but did you have like an overarching either goal or things that you were working towards with like these kind of like varied attempts to stay fit and be involved in different, different stuff? Like you mentioned, like you had the boxing, you had the CrossFit, you had a little bit of running here and there. Was there like an overall destination that you were trying to get to either from an athlete perspective or just like looking in the mirror perspective? I, I would just say I just wanted to, I just wanted to have a six pack. <laughs> and to look okay, <laughs> especially this is going like the, out yeah, to the, the beach. This is like the, the, the view of like every dude who like is in his twenties. It's like yeah, I you just, just want, want a six okay. pack. I just want a six pack. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like for for me, uh, just with my my body type, I don't really put on weight like that uh, or anything. So I just like wanted that six pack. Okay, if I do this work. Here's the reward. There's the you can kind of see the six pack. We did it, and then from there, you know, like I didn't have like the motivation. Okay, we got to keep going. Like, oh, I got it now, so we can, we can slack off a little bit. So, so for me, it was always okay. We'll work a little bit. We'll see some results, and then I'll slack a little bit, or I'll 
try to go and do something else. It was never like follow this plan and we're going to get to this desired destination or desired result. It was like, okay, if I dabble in this a little bit, I'm going to see some results and I'm cool with that. (laughs) All right. So I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people get to that point. So what about running when you started kind of messing around, like you said, you're doing 5K and you're kind of running some loops around the lake and things like that. When did running become something that it wasn't just like a means to an end from like a body perspective where all of a sudden running, you know, was the goal in and of itself? Like t- talk to me about that transition because it seems like at some point it has it really took hold with you. Yeah. So when I was training for the the first half marathon, it was the Orange Blossom Half in in Haines City. Um, I did a I did a long run, and it was a little over. I think it was like eight miles, eight to nine miles. And about halfway through that run, it it just felt like I was in cruise control because <laughs> you you would just go out there and run three miles, and the three miles would be a struggle. You go do four miles, it'll be a struggle. Like, this is more miles than I've ever ran, but this is still, I'm working here. And then on that run, around mile five or six, I, I would say it was runner's high for sure. <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, now the body is cruising right now. And I don't feel tired. I just feel, I just feel good. And from that, that point and that run on, I guess that's when I got hooked on running. Cause even after I did the half, I had a goal for that half marathon of a of a sub two hour two hour time, and I was actually doing pretty well um, until I hit the wall so hard. <laughs> I I didn't know what the wall was until that moment, and all the runners that I passed early in the race were passing me, and it was just like, wow! I really want to run faster, and I cannot. My head is saying go faster, and my legs are saying nope. We can't do that today. <laughs> so for me, uh, that was another like, okay, now you have a new challenge. So you hit a wall. So if you go run another race, now how do you avoid the wall? How do you avoid the cramps? Uh, so that's that's pretty much that's pretty much how running started to take off. And then I got into the training for the marathon um, shortly after that. Well. Not shortly after, because the race was early 2018, and Disney wasn't until, I want to say January 2019. So I well, didn't start talk, the let's, official Let's talk about that half marathon again for a second. So you mentioned two things there, right? You had the, the runner's high experience. Right. Like halfway, two-thirds of the way through. And then you had the opposite experience <laughs> shortly thereafter. <laughs> so for you, which one do you think, if you had to rank them had a bigger impact on you in terms of hooking you into the sport, making you want to achieve more and really test yourself? Was it the runner's high experience where you wanted that feeling and wanted more of that? Or was it the crashing down and, all right, here's a hurdle. Here's a limit. I want to break this down. I want to conquer that. Which one do you think had a bigger impact? I think I think the runner's high had the biggest impact because it, it, it showed me that you know, if you if you start running and you stick with it, that's when when you see people running for miles and running the marathons, that your body can do it, that your body can get into a state where it can be steady and you can just continuously run. 
And that proved to me like, okay, I can do it. Uh, the the opposite end, you know, the opposite is like, it's, it's a little defeating that, you know, your body shut down on you. And it, it had an impact for sure. But the biggest, if I were to rank them, would definitely be the, the runner's high experience. And as you're going through this, you know, were you basically doing this as a solo venture or were you part of a run group or did you have friends that you were um, intermingling with uh, during this process? Uh, this was a solo process. Um, I was the the only one that signed up for for the half at the time. And then once I was getting ready to uh, sign up for Disney, um, I ended up reaching out to the, the local run club and got some runs in with them just to continuously to learn the sport <laughs> and to have some some more experienced runners with me. Um, nobody else in my family runs here in town, so it's just me. So most of my runs are solo runs, but I kind of like it that way because it's just time for me to I'll either space out with some music or it'll give me some time just to to think or to be lost in my own thoughts. Uh, while running and training. So did you have anybody that you looked to maybe externally um, as either motivation or inspiration or almost like a mentor from afar, even if like they would have never known that? Like, were there people that you looked to um, in those capacities or was this really just about you being with you and just enjoying the experience? Yeah, um, I, I guess it would just be me enjoying the experience. Um, with the, the previous questions of where I would rank those, those moments, I would say leading into the Disney training, like that moment going through the journey and following that training block from, from, from A to Z, that was a huge moment as well. Cause I, I got the plan and I stuck with that plan for 16 weeks. And that's for me, that was like, wow, you actually stuck to this plan. Like, and I learned so much, not only about you know, myself and pushing the body and just overcoming hurdles and challenges because things happen during the 16 week plan. Like nothing's going to go completely. Um, nothing's going to go completely perfect for that 16 weeks. Things are going to happen. So you have to adjust. You have to make changes. You have to be smart uh, with your training just to try and avoid injury. Oh, do you want to run today? But you hurt your knees hurting. Or do you want to take that extra rest day? So it, it was it was it was really fun for me to to look back and say, wow, like we went through this whole block and we got to this point. And then it's like, okay, how can I be better the next time? <laughs> this is a great point. I really appreciate you bringing it up because it's one of those things that it's easy to lose sight of when someone's you know really reaching hard for a goal or they have this you know, destination in mind, uh, it sounds like you were really able to experience the, the process of the marathon and marathon training in a way that was really gratifying because so many of us, including myself at times, many times, in fact, um, have been so focused on the, the end goal or the destination that we lose sight of all the positive things that, that can come uh, within the training. And I remember my second marathon, it was the same, same thing that you just mentioned, where like, when I look back on that marathon, for me, what I think about is the training, is that I was able to maintain the, the schedule for months on end. And for me, it was like the first time, not first time, but like, it was one of those rare times where like, I felt like 
I finished something and I was really proud of like a sustained period of effort as opposed to like, you know, I don't know what kind of kid you were like in school. For me, I was like the kid who like studied at like the last minute. Like I never did anything (laughs) paced out. Like I didn't, if I had two weeks to do a project, I could have had six months to do a project. I still would have started 12 hours before the, the deadline. And for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I finally was able to you know, really think long term and not just do this one big hard burst of energy to try to, to get the goal. Um, when you were going through this process, did you have something similar to that? Or is this something that you, has always been baked in with you, like the ability to really take a long term approach and to go thoughtfully through the process? Well, far as in fitness, no, like it was always I, w- I would start something and I, w- I would get the quick results or or desired results and okay i'm I'm good <laughs> and so for for me to do the whole marathon build-up process yeah it was it, it was definitely something that that taught me okay you can go through a, a workout program you can continue to do something that's that's hard and you can get into the routine and to the daily habits that you that are required and then you can go out and and do the event. Like it, it taught me that I, I could do that. And, and it's like a parallel to life because you can do this with so many different aspects of your life, whether that's your career or whether that's with building a relationship. You just take those small steps each day, each week, and it'll build up to if you have an end goal or if you're just looking to go to the next level, like those small steps take you to the big goal. So it just teaches that patience um, that you'll need to, you know, just continue to grow in life. And I love talking to people like you who have gone through this huge progression in terms of their fitness and and kind of race after race, continuing to improve. Because it really is exciting to like, wow, you did this amazing thing. Um, not to say that you're done. I'm sure there's still plenty of room for improvement. Uh, and I certainly hope you're not done. But it's one of the things where like, you know, people like myself will look and be like, wow, I want to do what Corey did. That's amazing. And with that said, I want to linger here on this first marathon experience, because there's a lot of people who listen to this show who are about to run a race, about to do marathon, say in 2021, or maybe just ran a virtual marathon and came in around the five hour mark. And they're like, all right, like, I'm glad I did it. This was a huge accomplishment. But is that it? Is that it for me? So let's talk about this because you came in, um, you mentioned before briefly that you had some, you know, some cramping experience. So talk to me about the race in terms of how it turned out for you in terms of the execution and then how you viewed that race in light of the fact that like that could have been the end, right? That could have just been like, Hey, I ran a marathon, check that off the list. What's next? Tell, you know, so, so can you just give us the execution, the rundown of how it went and how ultimately you viewed that as not the destination, but just a step along the way? Yeah. For, for the first marathon, I think, most people after that first marathon, you cross the finish line, you're so happy. And after that, you're like, never again. Because <laughs> you're like, never again. Who said it was okay to run 26.2 miles? And in most cases in races, you're running more than 26.2 miles. So it was like, yeah, that was hard. But you're you're so excited about it because you just did it. Like you just did something that many people won't even attempt to do. Uh, even though like at Disney, there was thousands of people out there running um, the Disney Marathon, but thousands of people uh, compared to the total population <laughs> is nothing. 
um, in comparison. So, so for that race, um, I, I, I set an ambitious goal for that race of sub four hours. I was like, yeah, we're going to go to Disney world. We're going to run four hour marathon. It's going to be great. It's going to be easy. We're going to do it. You see, I put the easy in there. That's going to be easy. easy like, first marathon. <laughs> I almost ran a, I almost ran a two hour half marathon. I was right there and I would just got to double it <laughs> and just do more trading. <laughs> so that definitely didn't work out the way I thought it would. Um, I, I knew after the first couple miles, um, at Disney World, how it works there is they allow characters, like especially people who are hardcore Disney fans and like to, you know, say get pictures with the with the characters. Like they bring out characters that you won't see all year for people to take pictures with, and then there's lines to take pictures with these characters, and then there's entertainment throughout throughout the race. So it's a lot of distractions. <laughs> and then there's also a lot of people uh, that's running the race. So there's a lot of, if you're running fast, there's a lot of weaving uh, in and out. So at, after a couple of miles, I knew I was like, okay, we're we're not getting sub four today. <laughs> but that was all right. So it was okay. Because uh, I, when I race, I'm racing in the moment. Like this is, like this is where we're at at this point in time. So I was like, sub four, that's out the door. But that's okay. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to enjoy the race, enjoy the moment, get some pictures. Um, I actually, typically after my marathons, I, I'll post a full story recap. So I'll write the recap and then I'll, I'll post the, I like the feature on Instagram where you can do the, the story highlights. So I'll do a whole story highlight. Um, and you just see the race experience, um, just highlighting where I was each mile marker, how I was feeling. I didn't record during this race uh like i did during the the previous two just because i was racing it and i was running the whole time but at disney as well just once i got to i really started to get the cramp really bad at mile 18 mile 18 19 i remember it was right by the espn sports complex and it it hit me so hard. I was like, I haven't had a cramp like this since high school. Like, what is this? And my my hamstring locked up really bad. So I had to stop at the aid station. I didn't even know what bio, I think it's called bio. I didn't even know what that was. I was like, hey, I need some of this. I need some of this. <laughs> my leg. So I, I applied some of that to to help with the with the tightening of the muscle. And it helped. It definitely helped. And I also wore, oh, this is great. I also wore a cotton shirt. Well, not a cotton shirt, but I didn't put anything to protect my, my nipples. So my, my nipples were definitely hurting <laughs> with the, uh, with the, the Black Panther shirt I had on. But Corey, that was I just want to give you, give you props. We're coming down to the end of 2020. You're the first person to use nipples on the podcast. Yes. That, like, <laughs> congratulations. I don't have a word bingo sheet with me, but if I did, that would be the first time. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's elite. That's elite status right there. Elite Nobody marathonic else status. That. All right. Keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> so uh, just just pushing through. Uh, there, there's definitely no quit over here. So I was, even with the, the pain and getting through with the cramps, I was, we're going to finish the race. Uh, we're going to finish it. So I would just do run walk. So when I could run, I'll pick it up when I went. 
the leg said, Mm-mm, we're not running right now. We're cramping. I'll walk, walk it out, try to scratch it out. But during this whole time, like I, I was still having a blast because you're running through the Disney parks. So it, it was still it was still a blast. And there was a lot of crowd support because there were people at the park and then there were people along areas who were there to to cheer on the runners. And since I had on the Black Panther shirt, I was definitely um, doing the, the the Wakanda Forever at multiple stops <laughs> uh, in the race. So that that was that was fun for me. And then just getting to the finish line, like that last that last four hundred, uh, you're leading up. They had a, a, a high school band playing and. You know the finish line is right up there, so it was just like, oh man, we're, we're literally here. Like we literally just did it. We just ran a, a full marathon, and and it's just all the the work you put in, and it's just like, oh, it's it was just an amazing feeling. Like that first marathon finish line, um, it, it was just amazing. Yeah, so that's a great lesson, right? Because you you came into the race thinking four hours, right? You come in an hour later. Right. And for you, you just, you, you, I don't hear an ounce of regret in your voice, right? You weren't beating yourself up. You were just so happy. You did it. This is a wonderful, you pushed through so many challenges. And when all of that was said and done, you had some time to relax. Why did another marathon, you know, why did that become something that you wanted to do as opposed to be like, wow, that was really hard. I did it. And yeah. Maybe I'll do something else, or maybe I'll run a. I'm gonna do half marathons from here on out. What about the marathon itself drew you back in? Well, after that first week, it was definitely I don't want to run another marathon. <laughs> uh, but I don't know after after that after I recovered, it was yeah. Let's let's do another one. Let's let's uh, let's do another one. Let's let's get after it. I guess it was just a challenge and going back on the process just following that that 16 week plan like for me it was wow like like once again you proved that you can do it and for me i actually didn't consistently run after that marathon i ended up typical Corey. i ended up um, doing a workout plan and I, I was just curious i was curious if i would be able to follow the workout plan like i followed the marathon plan and I actually ended up doing great with that with that with that workout plan. I was pretty much in the best shape athletically. I felt after doing that. I think it was like a three month, four month plan, and I felt amazing. Um, and definitely hit all the body goals I and my goals that I I would want for me. So that worked out. But I had already signed up for Miami. I wanted to to race the Miami marathon and run through the streets of downtown Miami. And it went through coconut Grove and all those areas. And I, I remember all these spots vividly because I was just there for, for undergrad and a couple years after um, living there in Miami. So I signed up for that. And once the fall came, it was time to train for that which I should have been running more <laughs> consistently uh, leading up to training. I didn't learn that until during that training block that, yeah, you should run easy and consistent before starting your training block. But, you know, rookie mistakes. 
Yeah. All right. So the thing that's coming across loud and clear during this conversation is that you seem so calm and optimistic <laughs> and just a positive person, right? Like even when you're talking about like, oh, I cramped up at mile 18, like it almost <laughs> sounds like you're saying it with like a smile on your face and you're very lighthearted about it. Has this been... Let's just talk about this because this is something that I think, um, you know, in our in our running lives, we come across a lot of people who are very type A about a lot of things in their life and can can then translate that over on the running side and then become very type A about it, can be very, you know, you take it seriously, but take it seriously. And running becomes instead of an outlet for them and an enjoyable part of their life, it becomes a stressor. So let's talk about your mindset. Has this been something that you have cultivated or has this been something that you feel like has been, while well, certainly um, you can cultivate a lot of parts of our lives that you feel like has been something that's been consistent uh, along the way for you? Yeah, for me, that's uh, just consistently me. Um, I like to look at the, the positive side of things. Uh, what, you know, with, you know, with things being negative, like you can highlight the negative or you can highlight the positive. And I, I just consistently choose to highlight the positive for most times. Uh, sometimes you do have to highlight the negative because it's, you know, it's a pressing thing that has to be addressed. But most times we do have the choice and we can choose to, OK, this was the bright spot here and this is what we're going to, to highlight. And we'll learn from those negatives that happen and try to fix them, correct them or make amends to whatever happened. That was a bad situation. but there were some really good things that happened and that's what I want to focus on. And beyond just like the internal struggle that a lot of people deal with in terms of focusing on negatives or positives, because oftentimes it is a choice, right? There are certainly moments where like if you get into a car accident, like, it can be, it can, that's not even a good example. Because you can, if you walk away from a car accident, you can focus on the positive. Be like, I walked away from this car accident. This could have killed me, right? Like, I'm, I'm safe. I'm, this is a positive. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a negative that's like unabashedly a negative, right? Like, I don't even know. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. Well, give an example. So for uh, an example of that, just going into running. So the way the Miami Marathon turned out for me, because I really wanted sub four in Miami. That that was um, the goal I said. And this was when I was really starting to follow a lot more runners on Instagram. Like that summer was when I actually created the the running page um, outside of my personal account because I didn't want to flood my personal account and friends and family with all this running stuff. And then I was seeing people had running accounts. I was like, OK, y'all y'all have separate accounts. That's that's how we do it on Instagram <laughs> with, with our running and our fitness. And then so uh, another runner um, encouraged me to to create the account. And I was like, OK, let me just create the account. And then from there, I was just seeing all of these other runners just doing amazing things as well. So I would see their progress and I would see their daily uploads of runs. And that would continuously encourage me to, oh, OK, I got to go out there and get my miles in. I got to do my training. And then you'll see their results and wow, they just get us. They just did so four and they just did three thirty. Oh, they just qualified for Boston. And at that time I was like, who's running six fifty two a mile for 26 miles. I barely just did this for one mile. <laughs> and this was like last summer. It was, I was like, man, I don't, I don't understand how people are, are qualifying for this race, uh, especially men at my age. This is crazy. But leading up to, to Miami and then racing it, once I hit that wall and that cramp 
in Miami, for me, it was actually, it was a little devastating. So it, it, I, I was upset. I, I wasn't, you wouldn't see the upset and, and how, uh, how it fueled me at the time. Cause obviously I'm, I'm going to put out the positive, but it lit a fire in me this year to, okay, we got to work a little harder. We got to do some things different if you really want to get the sub four. And it, I think that helped propel uh, my training early in, in the spring and leading into the summer to help me get to this point in this this uh, last race at Space Coast. Yeah, and you went way under four, Lord knows. Um, <laughs> but it's really interesting to hear. It. And, and for a lot of people who kind of vacillate between the positive and negative and have a hard time, who want to be positive, but, have, but oftentimes, and I'm going to and put myself in this position. Like I know I want to be a more positive person, but oftentimes I dip towards the negative side. And almost always it's when I'm in situations with other people where like I, that that's causes me to focus on the negative. It's not even that they're doing anything wrong, right? There's certainly, certainly there'll be people that um, are negative people by nature, but like, I'll say, say I'm around my kids, right? Like if they're not doing stuff like appropriately or like they're messing with the dog or, you know, you're sitting there like, Oh my gosh, like, <laughs> How can, how can I stay positive? Right. I'm like, this is, this is driving me nuts. But how do you, you not just take the kids out of it. Like, how do you approach social situations or people in your life that you feel like could put you in on more the negative side of the ledger? But then what are the steps that you take to stay more on the positive side? Great question. Um, I guess for me to, to stay on the pot, to circle friends I have that, I'll, I'll hang out with and do things with typically they're, they're mainly positive people as well. Um, if I do start to hang around people who aren't as positive or who are geared towards being negative Nancy's, um, like for me, I'll, I'll continuously be positive, but I will, I'll back off and we won't hang out as much because <laughs> I, I just don't want that energy. I'll provide the energy I'm bringing, but. I don't want to be around that energy all the time. So I guess, I guess that would, that would be it. Like to, to handle that situation. Um, so have you, if, have you, have you taken, not taking people out of your life, but have you, have you consciously distanced yourself from negative people and posit and purposefully move towards positive people? Like are those conscious decisions you've made? Yeah, I, I would say yes. I, I would say yes in that. Yeah, that's interesting. So I know that can be hard for some people because um, it is a pretty big step to, to do. And also it kind of puts you on the hook. Like, all right, I'm going to be this positive person. I'm going to make decisions about this. Um, and that can be a tough thing for sure. All right. So you have at this point, if we're going chronologically, like all of a sudden you're like, all right, I'm going to break four hours. Like <laughs> it's the goal for the first <laughs> two. First one, obviously, you know, it was its own thing. Second one, you know, you're m- much closer you know, and, and you had some things that you wanted to fix, right? We already know how the last marathon went. We dove all the way into it. What were some of the things going into the training cycle? And it doesn't just have to be, you know, physical training stuff, but like what were the things that you wanted to change um, in your training or in your life to help ensure that you were going to reach that goal? Yeah. So at the beginning of training, like right after the Miami marathon, I took I think I took a week and a half off and I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I, I read 
articles uh, when I can and listen to podcasts about just how to be a more efficient runner and, you know, just continue to grow as, as a runner. So I came across uh, Flores, uh, the Extra Milest, his YouTube channel, and I just listened to all these runners, how they started doing heart rate training and using heart rate to run slow, uh, run the easy miles slow, and then magically, I, I say magically, because magically you run faster. Like, I'm like, how do you run slow? But you run faster after you run slow. <laughs> uh, but it, it made sense. It made sense. So uh, so for me, I was putting more information out there, looking for other runners who were doing it. Um, a runner up in, I believe Brian stays in Kentucky. He actually sent me a a heart rate scrap uh, that I could use to to track my the heart rate uh, on my run. So that's what helped me really get started and to focus on heart rate early in the spring. So most of my runs were slow and it's, it's really humbling running by heart rate for, at first because your optimal heart rate, like for your fat burning and endurance zone is around 150, give or take uh, beats per minute. Right. But, and, it can, and it can be so individualized and there's a lot of right. different ways of figuring this out uh, between very high tech and very low tech. But yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So once I did the first round of that and to see where my pace would be at for my heart rate tie, so I just did the, the 220 minus my age or the, I think it's 180 minus 180, your age. Yeah, one, 180 minus your age. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just did that and my pace was in the 11s. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm running, like, for me, I was like, 11 minute mile, like, running at this pace? Okay. So, but what he says in the videos and his interviews is that you just got to keep, you just got to keep at it. Eventually, your your heart rate will be at the same heart rate, but your paces will pick up. And that's exactly what happened. So after after, like, the first month, we went from like an 11.30 to an 11 to a 10.30. And then the next month, I finally got it on a 10 uh, for a 150 heart rate. And then closer to the summer, I was able to, when they call it the math test, um, I was able to get that around the nine per mile mark. Yeah, the, the the this is the the Phil Maffetone. That's what Matt. Yeah, the math right. is the acronym. Um, yeah, the math test. That's a good one. Yeah, Phil Maffetone is like you know one of the kind of like the godfathers of this kind of training. If someone's interested in in looking that up, I think it's M A F F E T O N E. Uh, if anyone's listening now. Yeah. So yeah, for me, once I I got it down to there, I was. I mean, it was getting hot because Florida summer, but to do that in you know seventy degree weather, I was like, okay. We're we're making progress. This is actually working out for me. Um, so, and then from there, they had there was a a challenge. A friend um, sent me uh, K Run. She sent me the challenge to do the McCurdy Mile, and I was like, I haven't ran a mile time trial all out. And so, I, I wasn't training for anything in particular at that moment because uh, I wouldn't start training for Chicago until late July. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's do the mile time trial. I'll, let's see how fast I can go. And so that time trial really helped me learn where my speed was. 
because I was able to, I, I topped out at a 525 mile. And then I was able to learn, oh, okay, so these were my paces should be when I'm training, when you put into the, the Jack Daniels calculator or the McMillan calculator. So now I'm learning where paces should be for me. Um, and even though you may be sh- short on those paces at the moment, but it just, for me, the way I, when I look at the, the numbers that come up, okay, that could be my potential. Uh, so I'm excited now. <laughs> so I can work towards these paces if I'm not there at these paces. Because I ran this time, so these paces at these distances, I can get there. So I just gave, I guess it gave some confidence and some belief um, at that time. And then over the summer, um, we did some, every, well, everything was canceled because of COVID. But we did some um, some smaller races. Um, our One of our local um, celebrity runners, <laughs> John Mott, he, he, put on a, he put on a 5K uh for for his running team and i was able to go out there and 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 run in that that 5k and i hope with my leg speed as well and built some confidence over the summer yeah and then once i started training for i started training for chicago it wasn't chicago took forever to cancel (laughs) their marathon i think i got I i loved a lot of the chicago marathon memes out there i don't know if you saw any of these it was like a picture of like ron DeSantis, who's the um the governor the governor of florida and it was like chicago marathon has been moved to florida and it was like a cnn like chiron <laughs> i didn't see that one i gotta look that one up because they, they were taking forever i was like why are they taking this long I, I highly doubt any other majors or large marathons are going to happen and you're just dragging this out uh and I mean, I'm going to continue to train because I want the fitness benefits. But come on, guys, <laughs> you can cancel this race. It's OK. <laughs> I guess they had to figure out the logistics. That That is a lot of people, money and, and time they have to, to get figured out. All right. So let's let's talk. Let's talk about this because you were doing the heart rate training thing. And let me just say the key part of that. One of the key parts of that was that you were using a chest strap. If you're yes. doing heart rate training, do not use your watch. It's not an accurate representation of your heart rate it just isn't so um these watches are great i have i have a gps watch on as i'm talking right now but don't use your watch as the guide for heart rate there's so many studies have proven this um get the chest strap if you're going to invest in this sort of method so at least you'll be doing it right so i think that's that's the key thing i'm so glad that you mentioned that um but this is great because you're you're showing this like that initial benefit of like all right if I run at this beat, beat, beats per minute, there's going to be this slow evolution. You can still get there. And as you just said, it didn't handicap you from a speed perspective. You out there and you bust out a 525 mile. Obviously, part of that was, hey, you just had some speed inside of you, right? Not everyone who runs 10 minute mile pace can go out and then run a 525 mile, but it shows it didn't stop you from being fast that kind of training, right? It didn't feel like, all right, your speed has now left your body because you were running at 10 minute mile pace for two months. Um, <laughs> it was still in there. And I think that's such an important thing for people to understand when they think about if I'm going to be running these easy paces, like I'm going to lose my speed and it, as, t- as if it's going to be unrecoverable. And this is a great example of like, hey, that wasn't the case for you. And it wasn't as if you were this person with this huge track background that had built up years of experience at running at like really, really fast paces. 
Yeah, it took a, a it took a minute for to wrap my head around it. I'm like, you gotta run slow to run fast. Like that doesn't make sense. Why don't you run fast to run fast? <laughs> but uh, once you know, just doing the process and just seeing the results from it, it, it clicked. It clicked, and it made complete sense that you're training your body. So for me, just getting into distance running is training the body to to have the endurance to do the repeated runs that motion and then with the speed and running more i would say just running with your your form and making sure your your form is getting there and all the little details your cadence um just swinging your arms all of those things you know i I was working on those as well while running slow um so that way once it finally started to click for me over the summer now okay now we can run and do these tempo runs in the training plan and do these threshold runs all all the hard stuff they were hard still but um i was able to do it at close to those those paces that popped up on the calculator for me all right this has been awesome to hear i really appreciate you diving into all of this cuz i think so many people who are listening can relate to this experience. It's like, all right, how do I do this? Do I do the heart rate thing? Do I stick with it? You know, I feel like I'm going slow. Is it going to handicap me later on? And then obviously it worked out great for you. And, and that's awesome to hear. You mentioned earlier on the show that you had this experience of seeing people running 653 per mile for a marathon. Like, that's crazy. I can't even imagine doing that. Well, Corey... <laughs> you're now at the point where is this something that you're targeting? Because it seems like you're pretty much knocking on the door of that potential. It's, it's, it's definitely one of the, the big, the big goals It's definitely one of the big goals. Uh, it, it wasn't at first, like first when, you know, I first started running when I was like, wow, that, that speed is crazy. Like, I, I don't think I even want to attempt to do something crazy like that running at that speed. But just the magic of, you know, keep showing up and, and training and um, it just shows you, OK, you can get better. You can continue to get better. And then it, I guess especially running that mile and then doing the summer work this summer, it made it more real. Like this was something I can do, something I can go after. And now fast forward to net today after running a 318 marathon, now it's it's not that far off. It's not that far off. And I'm just going to continue with the, with the training that I'm doing Uh, right now. We're going to just easy run and just put in the work for it. For me being relaxed, how relaxed I was for this last marathon early. That's, that's where I want to feel once we, we make that attempt. Um, So it's just getting more comfortable running at, the uh, yeah the 652 pace uh for a sub three hour marathon it it was rough so i did so i actually did a half marathon in october uh we did have another live race and so i wanted to break 90 minutes and i was averaging i believe at a 655 pace um and i cramped up in that race as well um pretty pretty late in the race though so it it stopped me from getting the 90 because I couldn't push the pace anymore, but I was still able to run. But that showed me, okay, so we can get close to holding this pace for almost a half marathon distance. So it's just like, okay, I can run this pace now. Now I'm extending how far I can run with this pace. 
And so for me, I'm just going to continue to work and work at those speeds, work at speeds a little faster. And then the body, I, I believe the body will adapt and boom, we should be able to, to run a, a sub three hour and, and faster marathon. I believe I 100% believe this is just the beginning. Huge things ahead uh, if you continue to do what you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a blast talking about all of this with you, Corey. Hey, Matt, I really thank you for for allowing me on the show. I have some other runners that I follow, uh, when I see, I was like, oh, y'all on the podcast? And so I was definitely excited for them, uh, for, for Jeremy and Molly. And just now I'm on the show, so I'm a part of the uh, the Rambling Runner guest crew. So this was exciting, man. Oh, that's great to hear. Thank you so much. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.